Mel, quick, let's talk. Wake up. There's things happening in Parkrun world. Hey, are you there, mate? I'm here, Talk. I'm here. What, what? You know, I've got small children, right? Like waking up a mother of toddlers who gets sort of dubious sleep as it is. That's that's a pretty big call. What's What could possibly be so important? Mel, have you seen the news on the email and in all the, the chat groups, the social websites? It's gone crazy. Parkrun might be coming back in a month. Just in, in New Zealand, by the looks of things, it looks like the Kiwis are going to um, get out in front of everyone else. They've got their COVID under control. This is fantastic news for the world. This is awesome news. I am so excited for Pakra New Zealand. It's, um, yeah, look, it, it's not set in stone yet. There's no date set, but it's nice after uh, 12 weeks of pause to someone's finger might be just hanging over the play button again. How good would that be out there? Yeah, I mean, have you have you started making plans to go to New Zealand, Talk? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was Googling how far it is to swim, and, yeah, that's not happening. No, I am not a strong swimmer. I would not make it past the, the, the wave breaks. And at the moment with the 14-day lockdown when you get there, I'm not sure whether I want to go for 15 days to New Zealand to have one day at Parkrun. I think I'll... Uh, Wait till Australia kicks off, which hopefully it's in the future. It's getting closer. Yeah, look, uh, I think New Zealand is is blazing the way for the rest of the world. And I don't know about you, but I feel I, it's – I don't want to say light at the end of the tunnel because that's a very common used cliche, but it, it feels like the first sort of real hope that's actually – tangible basically you know I I hate false hope I hate window shopping I'm not the kind of person who wants to look at things that I can't have but the fact that parkrun there has been no parkrun in the world for three months and now it's not going to be here it's not going to be in the UK the birthplace of parkrun but it's going to be in the world so the world is going to be a brighter place again because I take a lot of comfort in just knowing that Parkrun is going to be there and some people will be enjoying it. It's definitely a good thing to see. And, um, you know, we get the the regular emails and they've always said that they'll come back when the time's right. And it was such good news to even hear Jacinta Ardern talking on the news, I think, two days ago and saying that all the restrictions were going, the social distancing was going to go in New Zealand and you just start to think to yourself, maybe there is hope. Maybe we will be running again soon. Yeah, and I mean, I know we're a parkrun podcast, but it's brilliant news that they're, they're easing their restrictions effectively because they've eradicated the virus from their country. So that's a big bonus and a big plus. And, you know, people aren't at risk. Their lives aren't at risk. And I hope I hope the rest of the world is, is slowly, if not fast, at least sort of heading in that same direction and that, yes, it won't be too long before the other countries start to follow follow suit. I mean, have you got any bets on who might be next? It's it's very easy for us to say, oh, well, yeah, probably Australia, you know, because we're, we're doing okay. But to be honest, I'm not really across what's going on in all the other parkrun countries with their restrictions and things. I have actual trouble keeping up with the restrictions <laughs> here. And I have been sort of keeping tabs on New Zealand because I'm a big fan of Jacinda and her work and how she's been approaching things and leading her country. So that's kind of kept me a bit in the loop with what's going on with our closest neighbour. But, yeah, it's um, – you got any hot tips on who you think might come next? No, look, I'd, I'd love to see Oz be the next country up and, up and running. And I think um, – there's a couple of states that, you know, have had a few new cases and a lot of those have been people coming back from overseas, you know, returning home. But we've also got a couple of states now that have gone two and three weeks without a new case in them. So you'd like to think that we're getting closer in Australia as well. Um, you know, realistically, you can see some of Europe's going to take a little bit of time to come back into the fold, but you know, they will come back. It's just a matter of time. And uh, hopefully this gives them a little bit of hope too, that there is light there, that um, now we'll be back out chatting to our friends and uh, enjoying all the good things about Parkrun again real soon.
Yes, one can hope. And look, I mean, <laughs> you might not be willing to go to New Zealand for two weeks and stay in quarantine while you wait to get out. But I don't know. Do you know anything about the rules? Are you allowed to be in quarantine at somebody's house or do you have to be in their like hotels and things like that? Yeah, no, I don't know if um, my last trip to Auckland, if I could quarantine in that hotel for two weeks, I reckon I'd have a crack at that. That was pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if that's the sort of place that they're putting you in quarantine, though. Mm, yeah, look, I I don't really fancy uh, a hotel room, just one room for a family, even if it's a, a large room, especially not with the boys at the moment. They they climb the walls here and they get to go out every day and play in the backyard. So, well, At least in a small hotel room, the walls are going to be closer for them to climb. <laughs> well, they'd have to do a lot more climbing because, yeah, there would be fewer walls to climb. <laughs> anyway, I mean, we've got family and friends over there and we had already been planning a trip to New Zealand before COVID-19 uh, was a blip on the radar for this year. So uh, as soon as – how good would it be if the trans-Tasman bubble became a thing and, and we wouldn't have to quarantine between our two countries? Well, I think, I think we just need to uh, get those people up in – the northern part of Australia in Queensland to let us tourists in and then we might be able to get a bubble going. The northern part? What do you mean? Yeah, we, we can't we can't still come into Queensland, I don't think, can we? Oh, well, you guys in your so-called greater state, you, you're having a little bit more issues down there with illness than we are up here. Yeah, We've yeah, all we been have. behaving and social distancing and isolating and quarantining ourselves. To make sure it gets gone. Done very well up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the whole of Australia has done incredibly well. And uh, we've been very, very fortunate to get through this the way we have. So it's great to see yeah. some good news on the horizon. It's, it's not here yet, but it is on the horizon. And it's um, it's a positive step. It is. The barcodes may be out and the, um, you know, the app may get another run very shortly. Yeah, looking forward to it. And hey, so so you've been up to some fun and hijinks in the last few weeks, not park running as it were, but you have you've popped on over for a visit with uh, Daddy and Nicola from with me now. You did some park faffing a couple of weeks ago. How was that? That was awesome. It was great fun to sit down and just have a chat with both Danny and Nick. Nick um, on a Saturday night, our time. It was. Um, they're set up, their park fast set up as a, a coffee break after the park run time in the UK, which is their morning, but obviously that makes it about eight o'clock at our, our time here. But it's just a great chat. It's a lovely couple of people and, uh, yeah, really committed to park run, diehard park runners. It's, um, yeah, it was a heap of fun. Yeah, I, I watched it and I did enjoy experiencing that feeling of um, sitting around in a cafe having a chat about parkrun after parkrun without having done the hard work of doing five kilometres or venturing out of my pyjamas <laughs> to go to a cafe. So, the um, worst thing was, Mel, at that time of the night, it was, it was too late to get stuck into a piece of cake. You know, it was parkrun park without cake. What are we going to do? No, it's never too late to get stuck into a piece of cake. Nighttime is a perfect time. It is a heap of fun. It was a heap of fun chatting and uh, at one stage, stage I made the mistake of trying to read the comments that were scrolling on the live feed down the side and they were just going crazy on the comments and there's just so many names of people I know and it was almost like you're having a conversation with all these friends except it was a massive table of a hundred people all throwing comments in and no one could hear anyone and the comments were disappearing because someone had replied to somebody and there was just stuff going everywhere and it was just a great atmosphere. I've I've had a few post park run breakfasts that have been something like that. Maybe not a hundred people, but certainly the cafes have been packed and they've been so noisy and so many people that you want to talk to but you can't get around to everyone. Um, but it's still, yeah, I, I think I understand what you mean by the great atmosphere. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I got to introduce them to the Inverloch Stump. Uh, it was done on a Zoom. And I managed to work out how to do a background and I got the Inverloch stump in on the background. So all our friends in the UK and right around the world now have been, uh, have had the Inverloch stump revealed to them. <laughs> and you picked a, a very beautiful, sunny 
day of a picture to share as well. So they're probably all there salivating over our weather, even though it is summer there at the moment. So they're probably having some pretty gorgeous stuff happening too. It was an awesome summer photo, which was pretty funny given it was about eight degrees here and probably drizzling at the time. But uh, it was a gorgeous <laughs> summer photo. I love I love that you're out there representing. And you were representing the Channel 5 News crew too. You had your parkrun apricot on, I noticed. Yes, very proud of my um, Channel 5 News crew apricot. Um, I love the way that you can go onto the Pro Direct website now and uh, order an apricot with pretty well whatever you want on it within within reason. Yeah, up to 40 characters and nothing too too naughty. Yeah, and I thought the Channel 5 News crew, you know, we love our parkrun adventurers and we love getting out there and talking to people at parkrun. So I've now got a uh, official News Crew t-shirt to go along with my press pass and microphone that we were presented with. Yeah, uh, the day the day that you shared that talk, it would just made my week. It was <laughs> it was so awesome to see it. We love that there's people out there like yourself who've got so much pride for the pod and for your role on the Channel Five News crew as well. It was very special. Yeah, there's other crazies out there too. It's good. <laughs> Speaking of crazies, need to give a shout out to Mel Ellis and Ollie Spake, who co-hosted episode 201. Um, I can't say last week because it was a few weeks ago now, but they did a great job. They didn't burn the house down. <laughs> Actually, I need to I need to I need to be serious and say Oliver Spake. <laughs> <laughs> How could you? Melissa Ellis. What were you thinking having a party while your parents were away? Um, yeah, no, they they did a great job and uh, I I thought it was it was a nice dynamic, actually. You know, first time neither myself nor Scotty has been at the helm of the podcast in the last four, almost, almost four and a half years. So, um, yeah, it, it was a bit of a weird feeling not being on it but listening to it. But it was also familiar. So it's um, – I think we'll ask them back. What do you reckon? Yeah, look, I, I reckon it was fantastic. Uh, Mel's always bright and bubbly when she's on. I reckon Ollie just had a really great new tone. Um, I think it'd be worth getting them back. You just probably want to check under all the tables and chairs and that and make sure they haven't left rubbish there when they had their house party. But, yeah, look, if they cleaned up well, I reckon we'd get them back. They were pretty good. <laughs> Mel, following on from the email that we got about the corona update that we get regularly out of headquarters, it's probably a good chance to catch up with somebody get a little bit more information on what's going on in the background. What do you think? I know just the person. Perfect. Let's get them on. It has been about three months since Parkrun was put on hold in Australia and all its other territories across the globe. And while we've been without our weekly Parkruns, not everything has paused for Parkrun behind the scenes. So we thought we'd have a chat with someone who can perhaps give us a little insight into what's been going on there. And who better to do so than Chief Operating Officer for Parkrun Global, Tom Williams. Tom, welcome back to the pod. Hi, guys. How are you? Really well, thanks, Tom. Fantastic. Exciting things are starting to happen. They are. For, for your, side, your side of the world, they are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, look, undoubtedly the question on everybody's lips, and, and this might be mm. a bit big and broad and I know we have comms that go out every week about it anyway but I'm going to ask it because it's the question that everybody would probably ask the first opportunity that they got to speak to you when's parkrun coming back <laughs> well um blimey so I think one of the one of the common things with everybody with probably every organization in the world is nobody had um uh on their risk assessment what happens if there's a global pandemic and the world shuts down and you can't do anything and so it caught us by surprise obviously like it caught almost everybody by surprise several months ago and and the process of of closing down as you as you alluded to earlier it's been a while now since there's been a part one event anywhere in the world and the process of closing down was was really complex but had to happen really really quickly and so there was a period of a, of a couple of weeks where staff are you know some stuff almost working around the clock and and we were trying to understand how do we actually close everything in the right way and so on and that that was really complex and r right from the beginning we we understood that we felt that opening would be more complex than closing actually and 
you know, it's not, I'm not really talking about the, the technical side of how do we, you know, put a message on every website that says this event is now closed, for example, and what do we do about registrations and what do we do about um, events that had a start date or were about to get a start date and those kind of things. And talking about the, how do we make the decisions appropriately and safely and so on. And, and actually closing down happened over the course of two weekends, all 22 parkland countries were closed. Um, it's like, and, and it wasn't a particularly contentious time. Like most, in most cases, people agreed with when we were open and they agreed with when we were closed. And, and um, going forward, as we reopen around the world, there's, there could well be many, many, many months between the first country reopening, which almost certainly looks like it'll be New Zealand. We sent our update out this week um, with a kind of save the date for July the 4th. And we, we can talk about that a little bit uh, if, you, if you want. Um, but, you know, when will the last of the 22 part round countries, you know, I'm responsible for all 22 that we're in. And, and I always think of, although I'm based in the UK, I always think of them as the 22 countries. I'm responsible for all of them. Um, I'll never forget any of them. The the gap in time between country one and country twenty two reopening could be really really significant, and we genuinely don't know how long that'll be. You know, the the earliest every single part of the country could be possibly open is probably the back end of this year, and that really is genuinely a, a bit of an educated guess. Um, but not knowing how countries are going to deal with the pandemic longer term and not knowing whether there's going to be second waves and things like that, you know, it could be, yeah, how long's a piece of string, really? I think you guys in Australia, you're obviously in a really great position. You know, New Zealand has declared, uh, back end of last week, I think, declared the, pan- the transmission over of the, of the disease and they're effectively they're declared themselves covid free there's not there's not any cases happening there's certainly not any fatalities happening now um and with the kind of the border controls in place and the contact tracing in place it's hard to see how new zealand could go backwards in terms of the virus at this stage obviously there are complications with how do you let tourists in and, and there'll be families that are split across the globe and so on so it's not easy for new zealand as a country um but you think new zealand's a fairly safe bet to start really soon as we announced this week and probably that'll be for part in terms of largely back to normal. And I wouldn't be surprised. And listeners will know as much as I do in terms of the, the public announcement of where Australia is. You can't see Australia being a million miles behind because of the, you know, the impact of the disease in Australia has been fairly similar. The control has been fairly similar. Um, so, yeah, if you're Australian, you've, you've, you're probably going to be part running before if you're a Brit. Let's put it like that, shall we? Tom, it's an incredibly complex situation that Parkrun have had to deal with where you've got 22 countries, you've got 22 different sets of regulations, and in some cases you've got countries that don't have regulation that are allowing a spread of the virus, but technically you probably could run the Parkrun there from a a regulatory point of view. How are Parkrun approaching and keeping a track of the different countries like it's an enormous task to try and keep track of what's happening in australia i can't get my head around how you can maintain a grasp on 22 different countries yeah that's a great question talk and it's been we're fortunate in a way that actually in the countries that we are in um the regulation and and there's been different approaches so we're we're in you know people know what countries we're in but you know south africa mumbi swatini america canada they're all over the place russia japan and so on um actually there isn't a country where we could operate under the regulations they have so things places like belarus have allowed football to continue and 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 crowds and so on and and other countries have come, come completely out of lockdown or never locked down at all but actually, even in places like Sweden, who have had a, where we have events, where who have been very relaxed and have had a fairly mild lockdown, so all the shops and bars and restaurants are open and so on, and, and all the schools are open, and there's no social distancing in schools and so on. Even somewhere like Sweden, the regulations would prevent us from from uh, putting on events. I think they don't allow public gatherings over fifty people. I think off the top off the top of my head. So we've we've been kind of fortunate actually that there hasn't been 
in the 22 part-run countries, a controversial country that has effectively, despite there being a spread of virus, part-run could still happen or, or events like part-run could still happen. So that's been good. And we've had this principle from day one of uh, we will close our events where a country's, a government's public health guidance requests or suggests. And so it, clearly if they say uh, physical, uh, running events of more than 10 people can't happen, clearly that is a, a clear statement that part-run cannot happen. Where it might be closer is, so at the moment in Poland, for example, at the moment, the guidance is um, if sporting events up to 150 people can take place with no social distancing requirements um, at all. Now, we actually have out of our 60 or so events in Poland, I think three or four that breach 150 participants a week, only just actually, but they, but nevertheless, they do. And so... Again, that falls within our statement, really, of they request or suggest, well, that's close enough for us to say, actually, we couldn't really happen. So we've been lucky lucky for that, that we haven't really up to now had to make any kind of controversial decisions to close countries where the government say we don't have to, where the public uh, opinion might be, might, might be different. Your question about how do we monitor them? So we have... Um, every morning at 7.30 UK time, we have a strategic meeting, a strategy meeting about what's, what are all the updates. And that's happened uh, five days a week since the start of the pandemic. So about 12 weeks or since lockdown or whenever it was for a long, it's a long time. Everything's merged into one era, I think. But every morning at 7.30, so straight after this call, actually, we go, are going to a strategic meeting where we say, OK, what are the updates? And the, that involves um, Tim Oberg and Rene Gimbert, who you guys all know really well from, from representing Asia Pacific, and then a number of staff, from including Nick Pearson, our chief exec, and, and myself, um, on this side of the world. And we have a general catch-up. And, and the, those of us in that meeting take a general interest in the whole thing. We're fairly well up, updated. At the same time, we have a, a separate kind of steering group for want of a better term which has the most senior what we might call operating staff i guess from each of the 22 countries um uh, that they speak every day on slack and in meetings and so on and they whenever there's updates in their region they provide those updates to all of us in in kind of real time through our internal communications channels and then that group meets every friday so every friday morning um that group meets and says okay right i'm rep so for example um derry thomas is our uh, member of staff and he is our territory manager for the nordics france and the netherlands um and so he i mean he's actually probably oversees the most countries actually that's six countries i think isn't it um but so he will keep an eye himself very closely every single day on developments in those six countries that we operate in in terms of the regulations he'll highlight them to us during the week and then on a friday when that group meets we go through all of the each one of the 22 countries one by one and say okay is there any update in such and such or such and such now most of them at the moment there's no changes so if we take the united kingdom as an example at the moment there's no change there's nothing on the horizon there is no date in the future with any kind of relaxation of restrictions where part run uk could return now i'm sure it will and things will change i'm not concerned about that i don't think it'll be that long but at the moment there is nothing whereas places like ireland to use ireland as an example they have a date which i think is august the 10th for in their plan in their roadmap for all sports to return including contact sports in fact i think australia has something fairly similar to that now Within that, in Ireland, and I think in Australia, there is also a, a, a type of request to maintain social distancing, uh, physical distancing. Now, clearly, you can't maintain physical distancing and play judo or Aussie rules or rugby or football. And so those governments are going to need to answer some of those questions in time for, in, before those dates to say, OK, if contact sport is coming back on this date as part of our roadmap, what is our position around around physical distancing of participants for example now we've seen in new zealand there aren't any because they've declared themselves free of the virus so in new zealand um and we we, we as we said in our note this week we're going to spend a week really investigating it carefully and, and and come back next tuesday with a further update but at the moment as far as we can see there are no 
social distancing requirements, physical distancing requirements at all. Now, New Zealand and possibly Australia, when it, when if it comes back again, or it'll definitely come back again, when it comes back again, might be in that in that wonderful position of having effectively eradicated the disease. Whereas other countries may not be. The United Kingdom may have a relaxation restrictions that allows part one to come back when there is still uh, an, a, a base level of infections and and sadly of of, of deaths at that time. And so our position to coming back then when we're allowed to may well be completely different to come back in somewhere like New Zealand. But so we review that kind of daily, but every Friday morning we have a, a formal meeting around each of the 22 countries where the territory leads in those countries update us, the global leadership team on it, on any changes, allows us to then make decisions and think about things over the weekend before updating the world on, on a Tuesday. So you're keeping a little bit busy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 we kind of are and we kind of aren't, and and I think I think one of the things we've got pretty right at the beginning, and and I hope is that we understood very right at the beginning that everybody would have a different experience. Some people are homeschool, some so some staff members or ambassadors or whoever are homeschooling, and some aren't. Some uh, live on their own, some don't. Some live in big supportive families, some don't. Some are furloughed, some aren't. I mean, no, no park run staff are furloughed, but but some, you know, volunteers are, and some staff members, other halves are, and some aren't. And so everybody's challenge is completely different. And so, it, kind of day, pretty much day one, we, we said to all the to all the staff um, around the world, um, okay, the most important thing is is you right now, your health and well being. This challenge is gonna is we're gonna all have a different challenge here. Some of our lives are gonna become much more complex. Some of our lives are gonna become much less complex. You know, I personally, I've got ten hour. 10 hours of commuting on a train back every week so so i i found miraculously found 10 hours of time that i didn't have before because i was sat on a commuter train every day um and so we want you all as staff members to prioritize your health and well-being and to spend time with your families if that's if that's what you do and whatever it is and we want you to define what's critical and we need to make sure we get the critical stuff done but and critical for us meant being able to relaunch when the time was right. So New Zealand have announced very, very quickly as a government that, that everything's relaxing. It looks like we're going to be in a really great position, having done the critical stuff in the background, making sure insurance is up to date, making sure landowner permissions are up to date, making sure everybody's got defibs if they have them or timing equipment or whatever it might be. And it looks like we've done the, the critical work behind the scenes such that New Zealand's going to be able to start pretty much as soon as is safe and, and appropriate. And that was our measure at the beginning. And so, you know, we've tried to encourage staff not to work massive hours. If they're spending all day homeschooling their kids, they should relax in the evening, not uh, catch up on, on work and not feel like they have to clock in and check hours. And, you know, and so I, I don't, I, personally, I, this has been a really, really kind of, high pressure time for me which I've I, I quite enjoy that sort of situation um but at the same time I wouldn't say I've done huge hours it's certainly not been the most hours I've done in my time and my nearly 10 years now at part run because I've tried to lead by example in that sense and and taken time off we've taken the kids for a walk every day for example and we've not missed a day Helen my wife and I haven't missed a day in the in the whatever it is 70 something days of lockdown we haven't missed a day. We've taken the kids for a walk. Um, I get the, our neighbours' newspapers from the shops because they're elderly and they're shielding. And I get our other neighbours' prescriptions from the chemist because they're elderly and shielding. And we try and not then back up work. So there's a whole load of stuff, a whole load of emails I've never applied to, and a whole load of stuff I've not done. <laughs> but kind of if it wasn't critical, don't do it. Put yourself and your family first. And if it is critical, let's work out as a team how we do it. And, and hopefully that's that's worked pretty well and the staff are all in good shape and and you know the the organization's in good shape and the volunteers haven't been stressed and that means we'll be able to come back in in as soon as it's safe and appropriate in all of the 22 countries and and get back to to proper part run now you mentioned a couple of the things that would be important in getting events you know ready to come back and and they all need to be lined up insurances risk assessments that sort of thing uh, a question that I know our adventurers will be keen to 
um, get their heads around is there were a whole bunch of events slated to launch in the weeks sort of uh, leading up to, well, after the pause happened essentially. And there are more that are getting confirmed that they're going to be good to go when we come back. Yep. How is that going to work? Do you know yet? Has has there been sort of a plan formulated with are we just going to go boom and, and launch a whole bunch of new ones on day one? Or <laughs> We might do. <laughs> Hopefully not literally. How's it going to happen? Yeah, so, so we've talked about that an awful lot from the beginning. And at the very beginning we said, okay, right, what we'll do is we will just res- – so anybody with a date will just effectively cancel those not, – not, We'll, we'll suspend, pause, cancel, whatever you want to say, those events, like a, like an event that had already happened, that was already live. And we'll, for any new events that come along, and we have had some prospects and people come along and so on, um, we'll just treat them like largely like normal. And so we might, I don't know whether the team are giving them, literally giving them dates to start or not, because then we'd just give them a date to definitely cancel it, for example. And we wouldn't want to give them a date, you know, I don't know. June next year and then they have to wait for six months because we start in January next year but effectively we've been allowing accepting requests for new events and doing all the work required getting them ready to go we've in New Zealand for example I think off, off the top of my head there's only one event that he had a date I think and was cancelled I, I think that's right um and as far as I'm, and I remember this has only unfolded over the last few days with New Zealand, I think we'll just offer them the opportunity if they want to, to start at the same time everybody else starts, day one, whatever that is. It might be the 4th of July, might not, but, you know, hopefully it will be in July. I think in some other countries, like, say, Australia, there'll be a lot. Of, I don't know how many there are in Australia, but there'll be a lot. In the UK, there's an incredible amount. I, again, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was, I don't know, 40 or 50 events in the UK ready to go that either had a start date or would have had one by now um our overall the overall kind of overall position is that we don't want any events to have to have to wait for any material amount of time um and so we 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 removed our limit for new event starts a long time ago i think the most events we've started on a weekend in normal times was eight, i think 18 events i think across across the weekend before um i wouldn't rule out starting if there was 10 events in Australia, I don't know what the number is. I wouldn't rule out starting 10 events day one, 10 new events. Um, I think the decision on that will largely be around pressure on ambassadors and volunteers at local level. So let's say, for example, you had, I don't know, two events in Sydney that were going to start and they'd been supported by the same ambassador. And let's say the the our feeling was that events were going to be overrun with thousands of Australian park runners. So there's really high pressure and the ambassador really wants to go to, to support one of the bigger events that's under maybe more pressure and is a bit worried about being overwhelmed on the day of the first day back. And that means they can't go to either of the two events they've supported. Clearly we don't want to put any individuals under undue pressure. So um, it, in that case, we might delay those two events in, until a time that we can support them appropriately. At the same time, if there's a great little ambassador network in in that part of the of the world, and they're saying, "Look, we're all super comfortable here. These three events that are existing are all really experienced, and they're they're really happy for day one, whenever that is, relaunch day. These two events, I can go there. I can go there. We'll support it. We'll be fine. We'd support them. Uh, so I, I don't think it'll be a resource. We don't know the answer. It's the short answer but i don't think it'll be a resource limitation and i think our aim is to get all events that are yet to start started as quickly as possible and i wouldn't rule out starting uh, you know 20 30 40 50 events on a single weekend new event if that was what was required i I don't think there's a resource issue tom one of the other questions i guess using a crystal ball and looking ahead week one when a country comes back do you think we're going to get a lot of people that everyone's itching to get out to their park run? Or do you think there's going to be quite a few people that'll want to sit back and just see what happens for a couple of weeks and then come along? What's park run's thoughts on that? Um, really good question, Top. We are doing some insight work to try and understand that a little bit. So we're doing some survey work, effectively writing to park runners and saying, um, two things are, are you a, are you a volunteer i mean i'm oversimplifying it but are you a volunteer and are, how do you feel about coming back and volunteering and are you a 
a walk or a runner, how do you feel about coming back and walking and running? And, and there's the two issues there. One is operationally, one is um, uh, are we going to have enough volunteers in a, in a given country? And I think in New Zealand, because of their situation, we're really, really comfortable we are. In other places that have been harder hit, we might not be. So we're doing some survey work to understand that and best support people. We also, of course, um, don't want to be overrun. If, ten, if we get 10 times the attendance we had before, then we're, we're knackered. And so we're, we're trying to judge that temperature of how likely people to come, come back. Um, I think I think everybody has a different opinion on it. But I think we'll probably be roughly in the middle. Uh, and I think some people will come back sooner. Some people won't. I think we'll see. And it will vary a little bit country by country. I think our our bigger worry than the numbers probably. So I think we'll make the right decision and get relaunch events at countries at the right time so that we have enough volunteers and not too many walkers and runners. I think the thing that we're a little bit more worried about, and we're also doing some survey work, so led by Chrissy Wellington and 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 the team and the health and wellbeing team, is the the kind of the the impact on inequality across the Part Run community. So we've spent 16 years diversifying Part Run, and and you know most of our work is ahead of us still. I'm not saying we're in any way where we want to be eventually, but we've gone from 18 people in the Royal Park in West London to you know 400,000 people a week across prisons and across South African townships and ac- and across you know disadvantaged areas and 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 so on and we've worked really really hard to do that and a lot of people you know in the hundreds of thousands that have have taken up physical activity um when it didn't come naturally to them and they were really really nervous and it might have taken people a number of years to come to their first part run. You know, we have this conversation often around when does someone's part run journey start? And it doesn't start at their first part run for many people. Some people just turn up in a park and go, what's this? And then do it. And it's great. But lots of people, it, it is multiple years between them hearing about park run and building the courage to come along and, and take part. And those people are really, really, really important to us. And we've spent like I say, 16 years developing our knowledge there. And we celebrate that with our slowing finish times every year. So every single year since we were born in 2004, our average finish time has slowed. And we are, well, that's one of the proudest things about that, that we have, that we're, that we're, that we're most proud of. Um, one of our worries about, you know, are people going to come back? I'm sure all the Keen Bean 250 Club people like me or the people in the 500 Club or the 25 Club volunteers, I'm sure they're, most of them will, will come back. Not all of them, and we're looking at some of the nuances there. But we really worry, I really worry, that the people who took, I don't know, three years to build up the courage to come to their first part run, came to their first part run, and then we shut down because of the coronavirus. And then the coronavirus potentially enhanced the inequalities. Has that knocked that person back three years? Has it taken them all the way back to their park run journey, which started three years before their first part run? So the health and wellbeing team are already um, looking into kind of the evidence behind that and doing looking into and setting up some research. And they're very excited for the first day back to very quickly analyze, okay, who came back and who didn't. Um, and actually, you know, if uh, Ironman triathletes haven't come back because actually they've, they've got more enjoyment going walking with their family every Saturday morning in their local community, then that's a that's fine and that's a great thing and you know we don't really worry about that. But if the if the person who with multiple underlying health issues, who desperately needs community, who desperately needs physical activity, has spent the last twelve weeks or whatever it is locked in their house, um, and got out of the habit of being active and social and outdoors, if it knocks them back a number of years, that's such an incredible worry for us. And so we're really spending a lot of time at the moment talking about that how do we understand that how do we understand who's come back and who hasn't how do we make judgments around who should we try and persuade back if they haven't you know so if people who were previously inactive are much less likely to come back and we'll know that soon how do we re-engage with them and hopefully shorten that journey so it's not three years before they come back it's three months or it's three weeks um, so, so it's it's really interesting, and and you know we talked to the team about it last night. You know we have a, a, a bi-weekly all staff call around the world, so staff from Australia and all the way over to Vancouver, and we we kind of update everybody. And we talked about it a bit last night, and and I was kind of saying, look, we've done the best we can. The po- global pandemic was out of our control. 
if when we come back, we find that the pandemic and the lockdown has pushed us back a number of years in terms of our outreach work into the most the most in need communities and cohorts and, and demographics, then we just have to work out where we are and start moving forwards again and, and you know, not beat ourselves up about that, not be down about it, just simply take the time to understand it and then move forwards again. And we, and we will get back to where we were. And we will, we will, you know, exceed where we were in part one. We'll continue to, you know, to, to be for, for everyone forever. Well, we know you're, you've, You've got your daily meeting to get to, so we won't hold you up. Um, I'll just text them and say, I'm running over. I'm in the Adventurous podcast. I'm running over. I hope they're fine with it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's been a tumultuous time being in the world ourselves and and watching others as we all experience our own new normalities among the backdrop of a global Mm. pandemic. You know, never never could have comprehended that this was coming. Harder still that we haven't had our beloved Parkrun to help us cope. But thank you, Tom, for everything you're doing, everything the staff and volunteers are doing to make sure that we're in the best position to restart when the time's right. Yes. And 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 we will. I think it's it's really important, Mel. Sorry to interrupt, but I think we really will. And I know people around the world are in different situations and different personal situations and their countries are in different situations. But I, I really do firmly, firmly believe that all 22 part one countries will come back and many more in the future will come back to not to a new normal, to to the old normal that we love, where we're able to high five and hug and cheer each other on and do all of those things together in areas of open space. I really do. And I follow it so, so closely. And I really do believe that that we will get back to our beloved pre coronavirus part one normal really can't wait (laughs) I know I know I speak for everyone when I say that so but thank you also for joining us on the pod this week to give us a little preview into what has been involved and and continues to be going on behind the scenes as well it's it's wonderful for everybody to to get a little slice of time with Tom Williams so thanks for that (laughs) my pleasure thank you very much and thank you for everything you guys do and and the the community's been so supportive so it's it's been truly wonderful Good morning, Parkrun Adventurers. It's Melissa here, and I'm coming to you from Ellis Palace Parkrun. I thought it's about time I did a roving report from my very own From My Home Parkrun and give you a course description. So Alice Palace Parkrun is a two-loop course in an anti-clockwise direction. does have a few road crossings, so wouldn't classify as an official course in Parkrun um, rules. However, uh, its features include two playgrounds on course, numerous uh, builders, builders portaloos uh, for when you're caught short. Um, we have our very own swamp and we have been developing (coughs) that's enough Bambi we have been developing uh, a ritual when we get to a certain point in the course where we can see the Toolin Creek Parkrun trail where we stop and we wave Um, (coughs) it's a pretty it's a pretty flat course we, one small rise uh, in the home straight, which I like to refer to as Mel's Mountain. And today was event 10. And to celebrate, Alice Pals Park Run welcomed its very first tourists, Irene and Path, who came and joined me this morning at 8am. The weather was a little bit... A little bit drizzly, uh, but we didn't get too wet. I uh, I enticed Zoe out uh, with the promise of cake to be our photographer this morning as we headed off. She took the official photo, so thank you, Zoe. And I just wanted to make a comment about this because I have... I am now feeling that regular parkrun high that I get at a parkrun and look in 10 weeks because event 10 today uh, it's the first time I've probably had that feeling I've just I had a brilliant morning 
In Australia, we have had our restrictions relaxed enough that we were allowed to meet in groups of no more than 10 outside. And we are allowed to have at least or a minimum of five guests in our house. So with Irene and Park coming to Path coming to visit, we did not break any of the social distancing guidelines. Uh, and it occurred to me that it, it didn't matter that I didn't scan my barcode. It didn't matter that I'm not getting an official time. What mattered was I caught up with my friends today. I had five kilometers with my friends. We came inside afterwards to in my place and we had donuts and we had coffee and, and we spent time together and that is what I've missed. And we don't need official park runs with um, barcodes and tokens to get that feeling. Sure, when the lockdown is over, when, when everything is unpaused, I can't wait for that, but we can get out there in small groups and we can still have that parkrun experience. So thank you, Irene and Path, for coming to event 10 of Alice Pell's Parkrun and experiencing my course. We finished with a jump shot and I've had a brilliant morning. So I encourage everybody to try and just capture some of that magic and stay connected and I shall talk to you again soon. Hey Mel, how good was it to hear about Alice Palace Park Run? I'm not too sure about Portaloo's being near a swamp though. I'm not sure whether one follows on from the other or or what the story is there. What did you think of it? I thought it was great that um, Mel got some adventurers coming to visit her event. That made me very happy to hear. But yeah, I'm with you on the Portaloo's. I've never actually required toilet facilities during a park run. I've, I've been chaperoning a young person who needed to stop in for a pit stop and so I, I had to sort of wait while that happened. But I don't, yeah, not a thing I've ever had to really worry about. I, I try to avoid things like curries on a Friday night before park run and uh, things like that just in case because, yeah, you don't, don't want to get a PB because you've done a mad dash to the loo. <laughs> And uh, the first first tourists have been there, and I've seen on uh, Mel's social media feed that she's had another few tourists um, since, um, keeping the numbers down, of course. But uh, it's great to see people catching up with each other and being able to have that um, chat and a bit of social afterwards as well. Absolutely. I'm, it, it makes me very happy to see that there are people out there that are still running on Parkrun Day because it's not something that I've been doing and I haven't been motivated to do it. Uh, but something has happened this week that I think might just get me out there, Talk. Yeah, Parkrun are releasing a new thing called Not Parkrun. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited that Parkrun have decided to take this tack and create something that we can, we can do that's going to probably get a lot of events, well, not just the events, but the communities engaged again um, in, in the absence of, of the real thing. And as as the notification or the notice mentioned, it's it's never going to be a replacement for Parkrun. That's not the intention and, and that's not what it's there for. But it's nice that for those of us who don't live in New Zealand um, but are still keen to get a bit of uh, a taste of Parkrun in our lives, that we, we've got something to get us out and moving in in this pause I mean, I know you talk. I know you don't have any problem getting out and moving, but I'm I'm not lying when I say I have not done five kilometres as a single activity since Parkrun stopped. So I am one of those people who has just 100% lost my mojo without having that centre to my week, that, that reset on a weekend to go and if not volunteer, then do five kilometres on the course. So I think you'll you'll love this one then, Mel, because it not only gives you the opportunity to do it on a Saturday, but you'll be able to do it on any day of the week. And and naturally, because it's not park run, it doesn't count towards your your run count or your t shirts or anything like that. It's just a little bit of fun. Yeah, and you don't have to do a park run course. So it's it's kind of um, modifying the freedom run technology, but at the moment you when you log a freedom run you specify 
the course that you're logging. Whereas in this circumstance, you just do five kilometers wherever you are, whatever day of the week it is, and multiple times if you want to, and then they pick your fastest result. Um, but it goes, it gets allocated to your home event. So um, I'm assuming Inverloch is still your home park run. So if you log one, then you'll be part of the results at Inverloch and I'll be part of the results at Kiwana. And that makes me really happy to be part of results at my home event again. I'm already planning to, to definitely get out there as soon as it gets launched. And it wouldn't be fantastic. Like I'm really looking forward to it if it logs it as Inverloch just to be able to see the other people from Inverloch and all those people that I've missed getting out and running with and and sitting around at the stump after park run and having a chat and then going up to the pieman, pull the pieman for a coffee and a bit of cake. It's going to be great to at least see some of those names out there again. It's going to be start to bring us all back together and hopefully warm us up for the main event. Yes, exactly. I'm I'm a bit excited about it. Well, Toc, it has been awesome having you back along for another stint co-hosting on the Adventurers Podcast. Thanks for joining me this week. Hey, Mel, it's been fantastic and uh, great news all around. I'm, I'm feeling much happier about myself and about life, just knowing that somewhere out there in the ether, there's a chance that a barcode is going to get pulled out in the next month and scanned. How good's that? <laughs> yes, the barcodes are coming. The buckets are coming back. It's awesome. Always great to chat to you, Mel. And uh, yeah, now keep safe up there. And uh, one day I hope to see you at a run and be out running with you. Thanks, Toc. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye.